I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. Just want to tell you guys again, uh, everybody's been done a really good job of like reaching out and sending us emails and messages and things like that. We really, really do appreciate that. Uh, if you have anything to say to us, uh, hit us up at hairmetalmemoriesiowa at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook page. And you should be able to find Hair Metal Memories on Facebook, I think. We're not... There's not so many hair metal pages out there. Right. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Somebody actually uh, commented on our, our page the other day, and I was literally getting ready to like text you the, the very thing that this person typed out. And they said, hey, have you guys ever thought about uh, doing the album by Jafria? Because oh, yeah. I really like that album. I'm like, it's really funny you said that. Because, yeah, I was sitting here thinking about exactly that and getting ready to, to message yeah. Brian and say, we should talk about that record when, when I saw that. Yeah. Oh, so beautifully timed. Yeah, that's in the works. And we do we keep a list of all the suggestions that people have made. Um, it's just, it's we have, I mean, we probably have like, what, like 75 albums on our oh, list that we want to get to It's a ridiculous list. And they're all yeah. good suggestions, too. And it's, yeah. it's rough. Because then, uh, honestly, part the hard part sometimes is finding well, who's going to be the right right guest for it? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> as you all will have noticed, that like ninety nine percent of our guests are from our pool of people yeah. that we know, and uh, right, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that that gives us certain limitations. Uh, we do yeah. appreciate, you know, like. Uh, Anybody who has anything to know, you know, what the hell, man, message us. If, if someday, you know, you think of some album, you're like, I would totally be a great person to talk about this. Just message yeah. us. Whatever. We're open. You know, we'll listen. Yeah. yeah, and it helps, of course, if you have, like, a strong experience with it that you'd like to share that, that makes a good story for other Heck listeners. Yeah. That's what. That's entirely what we're all about. Um, and speaking of guests, uh, we just wanted to throw out there that we have one more episode, and then we have our season two finale. We have, like, ten episodes per season is the way we've decided to go with um, so we're hoping to do something really big for that. And so we wanted to put out kind of a call. Um, if anybody has any connections to anybody that's ever done anything in hair metal, like if you know the drummer of some obscure hair metal band or whatever, um, please hit us up and let us know because we've, we've tried to reach out to some uh, people. We're we're two guys from Iowa. We don't have any connections to yeah, the music industry. Yeah, we don't have like or anything. So these are yeah. all just cold calls. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody has anything like that out there, um, please feel free to contact so us. So if you we'd know Vita Brada, you're my oh new my. best friend. That's a, Yeah, he's our white whale basically <laughs> i'm going right up to the goddamn top of the list i don't even fucking care i, 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 I won't veto brada yeah yeah if, if we could even do if it's just for five minutes be like right. you're the greatest and he goes okay thanks whatever right. you know what yeah cool <laughs> that, we could, that would basically be the bookend to the entire podcast we could retire <laughs> yeah but but please do reach out if you know anybody that you think would be interested in coming on the show because we'd love to talk to them um hopefully we've established by now that we're very sincere in our love of hair metal and we would love to like you know talk to them it would be an honor to you know talk to anybody in the industry or anything um so thank you for that. And another thank you. We just hit a big milestone. Uh, we were looking at like how many people have been listening and stuff. We have just right at, as of today, 7,500 listens of, uh, of our podcast. Dang, thanks, so everybody. Like, uh, uh, like total of all the episodes and stuff like that. So thank you so much for listening. That that means a lot. <laughs> That's I pretty mean, incredible. Yeah. I mean, we're not getting like, you know, Mark Marin numbers or anything on our part on our podcast, but like uh, uh, we're, we're excited that there's people out there. We're you, gunning for you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for keeping us going. We appreciate that. Um, today, we're going to talk about a hair metal I think this is a certified classic. It's got to be, right? Pretty much. I don't know how you, what else you'd call it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a biggie. Uh, we're going to be talking about Quiet Riot's mental health. And if it does, in fact, drive you mad. Right. <laughs> so, first off, does it pass the hair metal smell test? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too, pretty easily. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, I can't think by any given criteria, I think it's there. If anything, I think... my listen to it and like uh, and and doing research on it and stuff. I think this was sort of the template in some ways. Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean well, because you have to think about. It, it, I mean, yeah, Too Fast for Love came out. The original Leather is eighty one, and and then mm-hmm. the Electro one's eighty two. But even you know, it that wasn't like right. a big smash, crazy, massive seller. I mean, this came out the same year. Uh, uh, Metal Health that came out the same year as Shout at the Devil. Yeah, and arguably was. I mean, it was the way bigger album by any. Right, measure you know right, i mean yeah. motley crew even in their own words they didn't really get kick-started huh. <laughs> into uh bigger <laughs> stuff until their like their their tour with ozzy the next year after mm-hmm. shout the devil so this one as far as 83 is where you it really says all right here it is here's a big new thing that is now going to be known in a yeah. greater capacity than just like in a scene on the coast or something like that yeah and i was going to say this is the second oldest album that we've covered outside of last episode's too fast for love yeah, I actually I was pondering that very thing because we did really kind of fall into a wheelhouse of like you know, yeah. eighty five to eighty nine and like yeah, I think a like couple reaches in the nineties. Yeah, but. yeah. So that's pretty cool. And this is uh this is the third Quiet Riot album. Um, which sure which, is. Which was something that I, I wasn't I knew they had material before, but I didn't know that they had two full albums of material before. Um, Just because I sit around and read a lot, I knew that bit, yeah. but I've never heard them. I still to this day have not heard those albums. Yep. I, so I I can't say anything about them. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, this says the distinction of being the first heavy metal album in history to reach the Billboard top spot, which I thought, which is kind of why it ends up being the template, because this thing was came out of nowhere and was such a huge hit that it was like copied and aped and like you know, and people went, "Whoa, that was successful! Let's have more of that." Um, it knocked off the police's synchronicity from the top spot, which is yeah, kind dude, of a it, fun fact. <laughs> it clawed over both freaking synchronicity and thriller to get to the top spot. Yeah. Quiet freaking riot, Quiet man. Quiet riot, man. So, I mean, props, so considering man. the time, wow, not bad, gentlemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sold over it's sold over ten million copies to date. So this this thing is this is a monster of a record. Um yeah, just in, I don't know. Yeah, amazing. The statistics on this blew my mind because I remember it being big and being everywhere, but I didn't know that it was like beat the police off of the charts Right, big. and for a band that just has like a wild, every unfortunate thing you could ever have happen right. sort of biography, it's like crazy yeah. that this one got as freaking massive as it did. Yeah. yeah. And as a side note, that's the funny thing about the next album being a failure despite right. going platinum. Yeah. It sold a million copies and was considered a failure. I mean, it's right. just so, you know, at least it certainly isn't from any sort of like sales standpoint. I mean, a no. million's a lot of records. A million is a lot of records. <laughs> yeah, which is also a template for what would happen with hair metal. <laughs> yes. Which is like, well, yeah. your last one sold six million, and you sold two million of this one, so you're not doing very well. It's like, that's. Right. Wow. <laughs> that is the weirdest take on numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, platinum albums would become increasingly rare. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's dig into some of that history, though. Um, Quiet Riot was founded 10 years earlier in 1973, before this album came out, by Randy Rhodes. Who, and Kelly Garney, the bass player. And Kelly Garney, uh, who Kelly Garney played on the first two albums and then was fired for a drunken episode. He was going to kill Kevin. <laughs> he was going to kill Kevin Dubrow. <laughs> That's a pretty interesting story. Um, I don't mean to be a spoiler, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen, No. <laughs> Uh, the band got its name from a misheard quote from the lead guy in Status Quo, who thought the who thought quite right 
like the Donovan quote or something, maybe yeah. quite right. He thought that would be a good band name, and it got misheard as quite right. And so, and so Randy Rhodes and uh, Kelly Garney really liked that, and they said we like that name, quite right. Let's 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 use that. Um, Kevin Dubrow was a photographer. And no one really liked him at first. <laughs> and he basically willed himself to become a yeah. singer. I just saw interviews yeah. with his family going, well, that's great, Kevin, but you can't sing. Why, why are you right, yeah. being a singer in a band? Yeah, he was persistent. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And they finally said, well, he's enthusiastic. I guess we got to take him. Um, um, but originally, Randy Rhodes was the draw. Everyone wanted to come see Randy Rhodes play because, I mean, he was just like... They I were mean, coming up at the same time as Van Halen, so you had right, a couple of different bands right. playing the Whiskey and the Starwood, who are these yeah. gun-slinging guitarists, you know, with a wild front man. I mean, yeah, it was like Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen. Like, Can, can you imagine that level of talent on What a stage? cool time to get to right. go just <laughs> see some band at the club that just happens to have yeah. Randy Rhodes or... Yeah. Fucking Eddie Van Halen, jeez. Yeah, yeah, and they ended up developing a rivalry with Van Halen um, a little bit. They played shows with them, but they also had a rivalry with them. Uh, but Van Halen got signed and ended up having a gold album, and then Quiet Riot's first two albums were only released in Japan and still have not been released in the U.S. to this day. And that actually blows my mind, just because of enough interest yeah. about pretty much every party involved. I mean, even mm. like the Randy Rhodes estate doesn't want to... What's the holdup to releasing them, I guess? Right. That's what I'm curious about. I'm curious about that, too. Um, I didn't see anything about that, but I'm kind of curious why they... I mean, I'm sure it's a money situation or something like that, or I don't know. Well, and like, because isn't, isn't it... Like CBS Japan that owns those records or something like that. I mean, probably, yeah, that would make know. sense. Yeah, but after uh, after they they fired Kelly Garney for attempting to murder the lead singer <laughs> or talking about it, um, he was replaced by Rudy Sarzo. Um, and by that that period, Randy Rhodes was really frustrated with all the drama and the tension. Um, so he went and he auditioned. He decided to get a new job. Yeah, he went, yeah he decided he wanted a better job. He wanted to get you know he wanted to promote himself. So he auditioned for Ozzy Osbourne's band and was immediately hired. Um, and Rudy said, "That's an awesome idea. Can I come too?" And, and, and Rudy Sarzo followed him immediately too. Ozzy was like, "Okay." Yeah, so Rudy Sarzo was in Quiet Riot for like ten minutes. It sounds like before he bailed and went and said, "Hey, Randy, I'm going to go with you. Is that okay?" Um, and so after that, understandably, Quiet Riot like broke up, and they called it quits for a couple of years, and they kind of, um, you know, spread out and did their did their own thing for a little bit, and then Kevin Dubrow eventually put together another lineup that was like a well, it was an eponymously named band. Yeah, yeah, Dubrow, and then and I want to yeah. say they ended up going to the they they asked Randy if it was cool if they yeah. dug the name back up and. Yeah, they asked Randy. Randy's and, like, I can't hear you over my millions. Yes, go right. ahead and do what you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah, um, that's. A, yeah. And and, <laughs> and and Randy made sure to ask Rudy Sarzo because he had technically been in the band, which I thought was a cool tip of the hat. Yeah. Uh, and, and they both gave it their blessing. And uh, and then and then of course, tragically, Randy Rhodes died in a plane crash, um, which you know put a, the kibosh and everything. Uh, Rudy Sarzo was shaken pretty hard by that um, and quit Ozzy's band because that was I mean he was like best buds with Randy Rhodes. Yep. And yep. They were like, pretty tight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he he had a hard time getting over that and just like you know didn't want to hang out with it while they filled the spot with another guitar player or whatever. Um, and in the meantime, Quiet Riot was recording a tribute song to Randy called Thunderbird. Um, and Kevin Dubrow asked Rudy Sarzo if he wanted to contribute. And Rudy agreed to do it. Um, and they weren't very solid on the current basis at the time. Chuck Wright was Chuck his Wright. name. Yeah. Or Chuck Wright now. If you look at his 10 years with the band, I say 10 years because he's been in the band like seven or eight times. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, this band has a very up and down history with a lot of members, as oh boy. as a lot of metal bands seem to do during this time period. Um, yeah, but but Rudy came and played with them, and he had a lot of fun, and he ended up joining the band again. Um, 
Yeah, which is kind of an interesting story, I thought. Um, so they rec- they recorded. Uh, so they working on all these songs, and they recorded Metal Health with producer Spencer Proffer. Who, uh, he was the one who took the the risk on him. Yeah, I actually yeah. I looked up the Spencer Proffer uh, production history. The guy's got a lot of credits. Yeah, I, he does. I wasn't super familiar with his name. I hadn't heard of him before. But, uh, yeah, a lot of mixing, a lot of he even did some like songwriting with like a uh-huh. Billy Thorpe. Yeah, like, he did the Children of the Sun yeah. album with Billy Thorpe, which uh, which surprised. Me. I mean, it makes sense when you hear the sound so of. I produced Metal that Health. Eddie Money record. Yeah, uh, some 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 later Vanilla Fudge stuff. Little River Band. He produced uh, Wasp's Last Command. Yeah. yeah, the guy's all over the place and and, and worked with some heavy hitters. It's and like... the Iron Eagle soundtrack. <laughs> uh. There's a Queen song on the Iron Eagle soundtrack. That's mostly what I remember. There's also a Dio song and there's also a Twisted Sister song. Oh wow, wow, it's an awesome soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so they worked with uh, the Spencer Proffer guy, who I, you know I tend to keep up with producer guys, but I had never heard of this guy before. Um, and then "Come On, Feel the Noise," which was a Slade cover, was a big hit, and that was the first metal song to crack the Billboard Top 100. And so, like you know, so they have like so they have like two history defining sort of like character. They're the first band in history to have the number one song and number one album on the Billboard Top you know 100 singles album hit number one. It was there for a week. And then after it was on there for a week, it was replaced by Lionel Richie's Can't Slow Down record. The, the funny w- thing is, all these records we're talking about that were replaced were, were, went to number one in that period. I own every one of them. Yeah, the Lionel nice. Richie record, the Queen, the, the Quiet Riot. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So one week it's Come On, Feel the Noise. The next week it's uh, you know, All, all Night Long. long. <laughs> yeah. The 80s were a confusing time. <laughs> and they had a they had a guy who was essentially I guess basically the the person from the studio who did all the there's not a lot of keyboard work on this record right if you yeah. listen there's just tiny little bits here and there it was this dude named Pat Reagan or Regan uh-huh. who I'd never heard of yeah and so I decided to go to All Music and punch him up and holy shit the guy's list of credits is massive oh wow he's been everywhere uh, he played keyboards on those on this and the next uh, Quiet Riot album he was on Weird Al Yankovic's in 3D Dare to Be Stupid and Polka Party. He, oh, uh, wow. He produced uh, the first Keel album and played keyboards on it. <laughs> nice. He produced the first Doro album, or the, the yeah, the self titled Doro album. Uh, he produced, or uh, he, he was the engineer and mixer on uh, Deep Purple's Battle Rages On. Wow. I mean, the guy has just a ridiculous list of credits. And it yeah. was just because I was just like, oh, this guy's name is, uh, I've never uh-huh. heard of this person before. And I see these credits as doing keys on this. What's going on? So I punched it up and wow, okay. That's an amazing list. I'm sure yeah. if we were like to look at all the little studio session names on some of these records we talk yeah. about, you'd be yeah. like, oh, well, this guy's been on like a thousand albums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, who did I see when, when I saw the Children of the Sun credit? Um, I just glanced at that briefly. And I think like Leland Sklar was the bass player on that. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Who played with a bunch of like the seventies, like you know, folk rock and like you know. Yeah, that guy's like, name's like all yeah, over like a Jackson certain, Brown records a and, back, yeah. and you know yacht rock stuff and like, things like that. that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I, I didn't know he had done anything close to metal. So, um, yeah. Is that when you want a paycheck, man? It's yeah. like, okay, what do you want me to play? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's metal. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but Metal Health shot to number one, and the success of this record ushered in like a whole new era of metal music. Because I mean, and which um, you know, this opened the door for the bulk of the records that we've talked about on this show. 
Yeah. It, so it really, really is. I'm kind of like surprised that we haven't covered it earlier in some ways because you know now that I think about it in yeah, terms of like history, it probably should have been uh, earlier. But, but better whatever. late than ever. We're we're doing a scattershot approach. I maybe. mean, you know, you're always gonna get the people. Well, you know, it really goes back to the '70s. It really goes back to this. Right. Yeah, but this is the band that made it to where we right. all got to know about a lot of these bands. Right. Exactly. I mean, for better or worse, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. how it goes. <laughs> Uh, and Kevin Dubrow sounds like he was a really mouthy guy and fairly unpleasant to be sounds around. Sounds like he had as much to do about deep-sixing their success yeah. as anybody else did. Uh-huh. He alienated a lot of his bandmates and the fans because when they when when the next album, Critical Condition, came out, like he uh, he it wasn't as big and he was mouthy about that and he like he, all these other bands suck and it's right. like man, He's, you know yeah, what? He accused the everybody is, of ripping them off. A lot and, of the a lot of the people who like like your band like those bands too. And right. you're making it real hard. <laughs> yeah, he made it pretty hard. And so and and that was a big part of why Quiet Right never rose again to the heights of, of metal health. Um and he sadly died of a cocaine overdose in two thousand seven. So that that kinda ended all of that. But like he, he I mean I suppose if he's doing cocaine, that probably didn't help. You have a mouthy guy who like does cocaine and <laughs> all that stuff. It intensifies it's, your personality. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found a couple fun facts about the band. Uh, Rudy Sarzo um, either is or did play with the Guess Who late in their career. Which yes. Is, which and I thought he was cool. also had a brief spell with uh, the Blue Oyster Cult. That's right, yeah. Within the yeah. last 12, 15 yeah. years, something like that. Yeah, and he's he's a pretty interesting guy. I was like reading about him, and he he's he's done some technical stuff too. He did like some technical videos for some companies and stuff like that. So it sounds like he's he's a pretty smart guy, and he's played with. I mean, if you do any kind of search on metal at all, he's played with everybody. Well, there's it's, also it's a, there's a documentary I saw on Netflix about like you know studio musicians and mm-hmm. backing musicians, yeah. and he features quite prominently in it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and guitarist Carlos Cavazo. I, think, I don't know yep. if I'm saying it. He spent there. a lot of time in Rat. He played with Rat. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that until uh, I, was, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know he did a stint in Rat. They and, made uh, an album in, like, I think 2010, I want to say. He yeah. was one of the guitar players on it. Yeah. We're going to be getting to the band Rat real soon. Hell yes, um, we are. Uh, and drummer Frankie Benali, who has a session list a mile long. Played also. on the only Wasp album that I like. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was also in Steppenwolf. No kidding. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it's like these these metal guys that end up crossing over with like classic rock stuff. <laughs> it's probably the music that helped inspire. Well, you know, them it's just stuff. like Jeff Pilson's been in Dokken for like twenty yeah. freaking years now, or something like that. Or, yeah. Dokken. Do, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, a foreigner. Foreigner. Yeah. He's been in foreigner. Jeff yeah. Pilson from Dokken has. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about what, what's what's your tell me your story about uh, mental health. What, well, what's I mean, your... I've I've known like some of the songs on it, like. I don't know, as long as I've been listening to music, just, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I, I, I was a grown person before I actually listened to the, the whole mm-hmm. album all the way through, because I, I just knew the big songs, honestly. Um, and actually, the my first exposure to them, I got one of those uh, KTEL sampler cassette tapes. Okay. It was called Twisted Metal. Um, oh wow! Honestly, almost that whole tape is still awesome, and if I could like get a new copy of it, I probably would just because I like the running order. Except for that, there's a song called "Yank Me, Crank Me" by Ted Nugent on there that sucks ass. And I, I <laughs> even when I was a kid, I was like nine years old. Going, this song is stupid. It doesn't yeah. even have enough double entendre to make a right. nine year old laugh. So you yeah. failed, buddy. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I had come on feel the noise on. It. I remember freaking out about that song and going, "Wow, this is like really good." And uh, I had a, a, a guy at work was selling me a bunch of records, and there was a sealed copy of uh, Metal Health in there. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going for that one. And 
and uh so finally for this i was like okay now i'm gonna take down this whole album because uh-huh. you know i mean i've always i've i think the only the only non um popular song on here i knew was slick black cadillac and that's because mm-hmm. I, I would listen to hair nation on 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 sirius xm and they'd play that song but outside of that you know the big songs was pretty much what i knew so what about you? What about you? I mean, you know, yeah. you have a way different context on this than I do. So I imagine like yeah. when this came out, you knew the album. Yeah, it was huge when it came out. And I, I yeah, I was 14 years old when it came out. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was really I was three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was very young. But I remember when it came out and it hit like a bomb. I mean, it was I mean, that was when MTV was just getting huge and stuff like that. And so the video for Come On, Feel the Noise was all over the place. And, you know, and it had like all these big anthem choruses and like you know and and it immediately just that's that song was everywhere and everybody was talking about quiet right and now see that's what's crazy about that because 83 there wasn't much else on mtv that looked mm-hmm. like that I right mean, and yeah. i'm not dissing any of those bands because i i like that new wave shit too i'm totally yeah. down with duran duran yeah. flock of seagulls all that shit yeah totally in but yeah so like for this to yep. come along out of all that i mean yeah was it just because of like how Fresh. I mean, because you know yeah. the sound. I mean, like nothing sounded like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you could you could obviously tell that they were fans of the things they were fans of and everything. But like, you didn't have anything that like blew up like this crazy loud rock and roll in '83. No, you know? it was like this and uh, "Rock You Like a Hurricane" by the Scorpions were the only. And that two was '84. Yeah, which was the which was the next year. <laughs> but like it, yeah. But it was a it was a strange time. The '80s were really interesting because you could. I mean, you know, MTV has a lot of baggage to it in my head. But like the one thing they did is it was very diverse. I mean, you you would get Quiet Riot one minute, you'd get the Police the next minute, you'd get Culture Club the next minute. You know, and yeah, like, and we can yeah, yeah, like you say, you can say what we will. But if it wasn't for MTV, like half these bands, I wouldn't known about them yep same you yeah, know so they, they broke quite right pretty hard and and that's the you know the song was everywhere everybody was buying the album i bought the tape at the time uh um you know and i listened to the shit out of it and uh and I remember some friends talking about how they were going to go see quiet riot live in concert and i had not yet seen a concert because i was only 14 uh, um and so and, and i remember feeling sort of like vaguely jealous about that and you know trying to figure out if i could go to the show or something and and my parents were like no you're too young so uh, a bunch uh, of crap. Yeah, uh, my first concert was ZZ Top, who Quiet Riot toured with. So <laughs> I saw that, and they also got to open yeah. after ZZ Top. They opened for uh, Black Sabbath. They opened for Black Sabbath. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I would probably be a slightly different person if I had been allowed to go see that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, this, this was a highly influential album for sure, and it created the map for popular metal and, and created the template for hair metal in general, all, all that stuff. Uh, and, it, and it set me down the path, too, where I was, like, very open to this. You know, I was mostly into, like, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and things like that. And when I heard Quiet Riot, I was like, whoa, this is so cool and, um, you know, wore the and tape Before out. we get too far afield, too, uh, check out the biography of, or the, the credits list of Chuck Wright, the guy who was right. actually played on Metal uh-huh. Health, the song Metal Health. Yeah. Uh, he has kind of been everywhere. Yeah. He's like another one of those, you know, like 80s rockers who's been everywhere on at least two other albums that we've yeah. talked about doing. Yeah. He was, the, he was the bass player on the first Jafria album, uh-huh. and he was the bass player on the first House of Lords album. Oh, wow. And okay. he's just been around everywhere. But anyway, so that was just my little digression. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, good digression. Yeah. Yeah, let's dig into the album. Uh, uh, we start off with, uh, with Metal Health. I mean, pfft. <laughs> right yeah this was the first time i ever heard the phrase bang your head was was hearing this song um and i've been bang, i've been head banging ever since hell yeah <laughs> i was actually it was funny because I, I i'd never pieced this together but as i was listening to it today i realized it moves almost the exact same way as let it go by def leppard 
Oh, okay. With the chill verses, with the undistorted uh-huh. clean guitars, and it gets a little bit heavier than into the rock yeah. and chorus. So yeah, it's it's set yeah. up almost exactly like Metal Health. Okay. I, I was I also made a note that uh, this is strong ACDC vibes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I actually mentioned that that same thing in relation yeah. to an entirely different song on this album. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I was impressed by is like there's actually very little overdubbing going on on it. Oh yeah, that's if you a good listen, point. Yeah. That really does sound like a yeah. band doing a take. I mean, it does. There's all, just there's that little guitar line that that sounds overdubbed, but it's such a cool guitar line. Oh, and it totally it, oh it is, but, but and it's like so, and it's only like during like that end bit of the song there yeah. with this one little tasteful overdub, and yeah. even like a lot of the times, I I like the guitar wasn't like pushed way up in your face in the mix right. either. It was like mm-hmm. really everything was like. Yeah, uh-huh. it's his vocal that really kind of. Yeah, is, I was just amazed at how, how the guitars found that nice space yeah. with the bass and the drums, and they weren't as yeah. out front as sometimes you would get on some records. Yeah. Yeah, this song, I mean, it's totally iconic and anthemic. You know, like people will start singing along to this at the drop of a hat, I think. Uh, it just playing kicks ass. Um, I didn't notice until like listening for this, but uh, the song modulates for the guitar solo. Um, which I had never noticed before. I thought the guitar solo was just like, you know, oh, they're just soloing over verse or whatever, but it's a completely different section that they modulate up to before coming back. Um, and it has some really great licks in it too, which made me realize, you know, um, Carlos Cavazo must have been like terrified to be like sort of like, oh, I'm stepping into Randy Rhodes' shoes and, you know, the guy just... He, he cranked it up though, yeah, man. He's got some he really did. good work in it. Yeah. Uh, we follow Metal Health up with the other big hit off of the album, Come On, Feel the Noise. Um... This is the one that uh, the producers suggested that the band record this song. And apparently, Kevin was not a fan of that. Kevin idea. was not into this idea at all. Frankie mentioned uh, an interview I saw somewhere. He's like, "Yeah, as as uh-huh. I was playing it, and he was singing. He was just staring daggers at me. Yeah, and decided he was going to try to sing it as poorly as he could. And yeah, yeah, he he encouraged the band to refuse. To, he refused to rehearse it. He said, "Let's not rehearse it," because he wanted all of the songs on this album to be originals. Um, but. Um, when they were, and so he tried to sabotage the idea of doing it. But when the engineer started to record it, Frankie Benali began playing it, and the band joined in. And Kevin Dubrow was upset, like I said. Um, but he did; he recorded his parts, um, and, and obviously, it turned out for the best. And you have to admit, I mean, that, it is like one of the more perfect guitar solos in the world because it's yeah. like it's almost one you could like sing if you wanted to. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And uh, you know, and we, you know, I think we mentioned this was a Slade cover. Um, I, I had like this weird little moment when I was thinking about it. I think like Slade are like the Velvet Underground of metal, where like they did, <laughs> <laughs> where, where 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 no one no one bought their albums, but of the people that did, they all formed bands and like you Apparently. know, and we're we're heavily influenced by them. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's always been one of those bands that always seemed like all the rock bands knew Slade yeah. more than like a person you would run up to on the street. Yeah. You know, they're cited as an influence by all of the big bands. You know, all the big metal bands, basically. Um, but, and honestly, but, outside of the songs that uh, Quiet Riot has covered, I couldn't tell you a Slade song. Yeah. They had a, because of this, they had a resurgence. Uh, and they, they recorded a new album. And they had a, another hit with a song called My Oh My. Um, th- and they had a video for it and stuff like that. Um, Why would they call it My Oh My? You can't put weird spelling on any of that and have it look right. as cool. <laughs> I thought yeah, they, my, I thought it was a yeah. rule for Slay that all their songs yeah. had to have like weird spellings of words and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was happy for them. They got a little. They did have a big hit as a result of all this. No, you know, that's so, good so for they, them. They, no. they they got some they got some money. I'm sure. Um, after that, we go to "Don't Want to Let You Go." Um, this song's a little stalkery. 
funny thing is, it ended up being one of my favorite songs on the album. So yeah, listening to it, it has a super cool, I, cool vibe. I really like yeah. the sound of the guitars. In Me too. It. Yeah, sonically, they it's sound awesome. So great. Yeah, they do. And like, like they're crunchy, like rhythm guitars, uh-huh. but they're, they're clean but crunchy at the same and time. And then all the all the overdubs that that would the overdub uh-huh. guitar that would come in and the kind of the little bridgey bits at the end of the verses yeah. was real tasteful. I liked how it yeah. did it. Everything sounds great, yeah. but I did think it was funny, and I I, I noticed I noted this because like all the verses are real chill. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he like belts over this cheer, you know, this really right. like chill verse, and he's just up there giving it his yeah, giving his, it hell. His come on, feel the noise <laughs> vocal approach. I was like, that sounds so mismatched to this music, but it's cool. I like yeah. it. But yeah. Yes, it's it's uh, and it has a nice soaring solo, you know, over it. Um, yeah, and this is another one that features Chuck Wright on it playing bass. Yep. Um, and. Yeah, and we already talked about the Jafria connection and stuff. And I like liked that, the. I thought the. I thought the 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 and what, some of the most tasteful keyboard overdubbing ever because it's yeah. only in that last verse. It's just one little note here. Yeah. Then they wait for a measure and one more little note. I was like, wow, you got that guy to be real restrained. That's cool. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, I know when I've had the uh, idea of wanting to overdub something, it's it's not as as restrained. It's right. Like, same. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. You start big and you edit down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, after that, we get Slick Black Cadillac. Um, this was the first tune. When I was listening to this tape as a wee lad, this is the first song that stuck out to me other than the two hits. Like when I got, you know, after I, I really got into the two hits and then like, you know, as things got deeper, I wasn't, you know, it took me a while to Spent digest Spent more time it. with it. Yeah, but Slick Black <clears throat> Cadillac was was one that immediately I was sort of like, wait, what is this? Um, it's because this, you found the re-recording of the Randy Rhodes song. Right, you say, didn't know the, it in your head. But yep, you, this is one of the original Randy Rhodes songs repurposed. Um uh, it falls into the tradition of sexy car songs, like uh, Queen's I'm in Love With My Car. Um, there's lots of really cool little palm-muted guitar parts in it, and the breakdown has like these multi-track vocals, which is pretty damn cool. I was actually impressed that it, it, it's crazy because like, the the backing vocals in this in this chorus almost sound even yeah. bigger than than the uh, than the come on feel the noise yeah, backings they do they're really big on the on like the, the the gang backing vocal yeah but one of the things I noticed as they went through the album is they would always find a different way to record the gang backing vocals or a different mm-hmm. like way to mix them in yeah because uh, all through this record there's there's gang vocals everywhere but they're always like mixed or like right. processed a little bit differently and. I was kind of impressed at how many how much they yeah. mixed it up just for for the backing vocals. Yeah, it makes it makes all the songs sound super anthemic. Like you just want to bang your head and mm-hmm. get, pump your fist and all of that. Um, but I, I like the and there's some harmonizing on it too. And I don't I don't think Kevin Dubrow is a fantastic singer necessarily, but he has no, like he's got the attitude. You he's know? got so much personality, which made me think of David Lee Roth. It's, he's got the David mm-hmm. Lee Roth approach to singing, where it doesn't matter whether you can sing or not. He's like delivering it so much. Yeah. You know? And he kills it on this song, and, and it, I thought it was like the vocal high point of the record, you know, in, in terms of his singing. Um, I would be inclined to agree. Uh, then we go into Love's a Bitch, um, which was another one that I loved as a young lad, but mostly because it had cussing in it. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 not, it's another one of those songs where, like, uh, now yeah. granted, this was maybe the first, the, the, the blueprint one, like we were saying, but... It, it, it's one of those where a lot of the uh, a lot of the records in the '80s had this song on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like how it sort of crossfades from the previous song into this one. It's like almost like a little tip of the hat to a concept album kind of approach, even though the songs have nothing to do with each other. Um, and we get some acoustic guitar in this. I think is this 
There's not much acoustic guitar in this album at no, all. Pretty much this. I think it's this. And I thought yeah. it was weird that actually my note on this one is it seems yeah. like there's a really big mismatch between how he's approaching the lyrics and what the verse sounds like. Right. <laughs> it's like it's 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 weird. It is a little bit weird. And honestly, maybe yeah. the unpopular opinion, but I would have made this a four song side A and that song wouldn't have been on that side. Yeah. But yeah. they sold 10 million copies. I didn't. So right. yeah. They clearly made a better choice. Yeah, there's lots of cool dynamic moments in the song. Um, and I love how he stretches out that last bitch <laughs> at the very end. Because we all like Robert Plant. Yeah, it's like it's like he's it's like he's singing the national anthem. <laughs> but, but he's but he's just singing the word bitch. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and this song seems to be a critical reassessment of the emotion of love. <laughs> a critical reassessment. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You were just waiting to say that, weren't you? I was. It's true. Do you think it's not all that we thought it might have been. Tell me more, Kevin. Uh, love it. Uh, next, we have "Breathless," which is this is like a really driving love song. I said, um, "I love gallopy songs." That was yeah. my first note. Yeah, I, 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 so I, I said, "This is uh, the song gallops like an Iron Maiden song." Is what and, I, and, was and my and note. This song has something we don't get a lot of on this album. It had guitar harmonies on it. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, because there's only the one guitar player. Yeah, but uh-huh. yeah. Well, if you go back and listen to any of the previous songs, there's no guitar harmonizing. That's a really good point. You're right. I forgot about and that. And so that like stuck out as soon yeah. as that hit. I was like, "Whoa!" So yeah. that's my next note is harmony guitars. Yeah, I, I wrote that. There's some good. There's some nice guitar textures here. And a nice proper metal solo. <laughs> and it's actually, uh, it's my second favorite song on the album. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I would just end up just, and it yeah. was the one where I first wrote the note of, I'm chorus vocals. They really found so many ways to approach gang vocals. They really did, yeah. Because once again, it had the, the, the breathless in the chorus is all gangy, yeah. but like, it's it, it, it doesn't sound like as big and shouty as like come on feel the noise yeah they're all still there but he just kind of yeah. tweaked the mix a little bit and i really like how they came out in this one yeah yeah i was surprised with this song too it's like uh it's not one i had even remembered I, you know i hadn't listened to the album in quite uh, a while yeah i didn't know any of the songs yeah. on the b-side yeah so i sort of forgot about it um then we've got run for cover um this is another rocker um and there's a there's there's some cringy lines in this one. <laughs> oh, definitely but this was my favorite song on the whole record this was yeah. actually my number one song um, on the album i, I want to plant my seed <laughs> and uh i'm a hit and run lover uh, so it's but then, you know i also thought this is probably not terribly out of place in metal or rock and roll no. in general at the time uh, um, I I honestly this was my favorite of the Kevin Dubrow yeah. performances on the album. Okay, yeah. The where where you hit the spot where the music just had that right fucking rocking out craziness yeah. to just match his yeah. kind of wild man personality vocals. Yeah. This to me was the song where it all came together. The like yeah. the coolest on the record for me. This is my Carlos Cavazo high point actually. Because nice. <laughs> I, I said there's some ripping guitar work here and some cool pyrotechnics kind of stuff. Um, it's it's the high point in terms of guitar work. And, and Frankie and, and got to shred. have like the great big ending. Yeah. He does, and there's a drum solo at the end. There's, which there's you not don't... a lot of other like big, yeah. big drum ending songs on here. It's... So he got his one, and yeah, and and typically you didn't have drum solos at all, uh, except for they save that for the live show. So yep. like that's cool that they you know, and and it's an amazing little solo, you know. Um, so yeah, so that, that's pretty cool. The band all gets to shine. Yeah, there. I, I, my thought was, <laughs> man, side two just comes out like fucking rock and roll action. Yeah. Man, it's it is yeah. fast and and loud and. I honestly think it's every bit as good of a one-two punch of songs as Metal Health and Come On Feel the Noise. Yeah. I'll die on that hill any day. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and then we go to Battle Axe, which is uh, 
like a minute and 39 second guitar solo basically. It's how Carlos Cavazo erupts if you I was will. Gonna, I was going to say this is a lot this is their eruption uh, but not so fast and no tapping. <laughs> right. No tapping not insane speed but it's a really good piece. I mean it it's a, a great piece. solo. Yeah. Yeah and he's obviously a gifted player and very like, you know, just some of his runs know. are very tasteful, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of scalar stuff, and you know, up and down the stuff, and he and he doesn't overstay his welcome with it. You know, no. he, you know, he's not. He's definitely showing you what he's got, but he's not overly flashy and 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 stuff. I mean, he's just flashy enough, I guess. I don't know. Um, then we've got "Let's Get Crazy." Um, this riff reminded me of uh, "Fight for Your Right to Party" by the Beastie Boys a little bit. <laughs> See, this song um. totally made me think of this. This. <laughs> This made me think of some song that was like recorded for Flick of the Switch and left off the album. Yeah, 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 same, yeah, same kind of vibe. Um, and and you know, and there's some more like lines that are sort of like, oh boy, where like want to kiss your lips, not the ones on your face. See, now I think we're maybe just not interpreting that right. Maybe the thing is he is clearly in love with somebody who's like a mutilator, serial killer type person, and just yeah. has some extra lips laying around the house. That, there you go. That was my interpretation yeah. of it. A more tasteful. That's way more tasteful. But a little bit more murdery. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember laughing a lot about that line in high school, which I realize is probably who it was written for. Gee, you think? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good riffing on this and just tons of attitude, too. Um, and it was my uh, second note on this where I said, these guys have totally listened to High and Dry. They totally did. Right. There's no yeah. way they haven't because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this song seems to be rocking about all rocking out all the time, which uh, science has determined is you know is impossible because Kiss tried and to do it. And that's why Kevin Dubrow died at right. the age of fifty two. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> we do love you, buddy. No, no, no yeah. hate, man. You got to take breaks from the rocking every now and then. You got to pace yourself a little. <laughs> uh, and then we end on Thunderbird, which is that uh, the Randy Rhodes tribute song. Um, this song is very anthemic and very meaningful, and this is a song that brought Rudy back into the band, uh, which you know charted their future and stuff. And people like to do the ballad as yeah. the last song on the album. Yeah, I d- I don't I I couldn't get into it though. It's in, in, I mean it's it's honesty. nice that it's a tribute to their buddy. That's cool. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, th- I didn't get into it. My my yeah. big note on this is the girl who does backing vocals on this song was in Nightmare on the Street Part Four. <laughs> I like it more now, so that's a good note. <laughs> I said uh, my other note was every non-rad album from this era needs a ballad, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah. the one thing I will say about it is is uh, that Kevin actually toned down his vocal approach on this one. Yeah. Because you know the other songs when they would have the chill verse, he was still yeah. Kevin, you yeah. know. But uh, on this one, he actually yeah. like brought it down. Was all yeah. chill during the verses, and I just that yeah. was. The other thing that I noticed about it. Yeah. I think it's cool he toned it down, but I don't think that's where he excels. No. So No, um, he's he's supposed to be at eleven. Yeah, mm-hmm. I respect it and everything and I love the meaning behind it and everything, but like just musically it, it, it you know not everything's for everybody. This one's not for me. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, as we all know, the story for Quiet Ride just gets crazy after this album. Right. Yeah. Huge success really... and then huge not success. Right. A lot of bitterness, uh, a lot of yeah. firings. Yeah, lots of people coming and going, and like you know, half and, the people pictured on the back of this record are dead now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They they really just everything came together for this one record, and that was it. I mean, you know, they had like such a promising past, and then like you know, and then it seemed like they could have gone really cool places, and it just never worked out for them. I did uh, not long ago. I bought a a digital download of like a 
there was a box set of a bunch of their albums. I think it, you know, okay. like you used to be able to go like Hastings or Best Buy or something, and they and like they'd have like a four classic albums or yeah, five yeah. classic out like a little yeah. sleeve set. I got one of those, and I want to say it was all the albums after Metal Health, just because you know Metal Health is always going to be issued right. on its own or whatever. So it was like Condition Critical, yeah. and uh, QR three and. QR, the one they did with Paul Shortino as a singer. Okay. Who I know is Duke fame from Spinal Tap. Um, okay. <laughs> and it really did come together for Metal Health. Yeah. A lot of those albums had good songs on them, like a good yeah. song here, a good song there, but like, yeah. I don't know. They, they they didn't hit the same way Metal Health did. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, I was just taking it how, like, I don't know, like, it's clearly produced on a good budget, or at right, least, yeah, yeah. you know, a pretty decent budget, or it's, it's, uh, it sounds expensive. So many of the songs don't sound overproduced necessarily. Yeah, they don't. I mean, the drums sound big. All the drums sounded big in the '80s. Yeah, but it, there's still there's still a grittiness or a griminess yeah, to it. Yeah, and like still, when you were listening to most of the tracks, you could tell there was a like a band like rocking out together. Yeah, and because you could you could hear every time there was an overdub. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it was they're they're all good overdubs. They're right, really yeah. tasteful. But I was just amazed at how like actually kind of lean the album is like mm-hmm. sonically when you listen to it. And that's pretty even because come on, feel the noise is a production, but it's still like there's not like a billion things going on on it. Right. Yeah. It's just each each bit is in its place and sounds really good and so, big. So you know, hats off yeah. to you, Spencer Proffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, this is like this charted the course for like you know a whole bunch of music after that that we're gonna continue to explore. I mean, yeah, even the even the yeah the the you know the eighties rock albums before this one, even though there's right. decidedly a few of them that we're talking about, the drums didn't sound as big as these ones, you know. Right. And the 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 gang vocals weren't as gangy as these ones. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's take a short break, and we're gonna be right back with our special guest. <laughs> Our special guest today is a returning guest. This is Rachel Dudley, who, outside of uh, being my wife, was also our very first guest on our show. Um, When you didn't care who was on. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was around, and you're like, hey, you should come talk to us. Yeah, yeah, our first episode. But I don't like hair metal. Yeah, I think we were on the fly pretty much like, we should have a guest. Rachel, you're here. Can you come and, and yeah, yeah. And she and she, it was it was Dawkin. And yeah. I remember, I don't think you even listened to the album other than no. when I was listening to it in the background. And yep. You, yep. And you were not fond of the music. Nope. So not a fan. Was not a fan. But <laughs> over time, she has seen Aaron and I, um, you know, continue on this path. And like and, and and do all these things and and everything and, she, and invite and, guests on and, who and, don't and, hate and, the music, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, because even you know even after Rachel, our second guest, I think was yeah. Dean, and he's just like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really listen to hair right. rock. I mean, he ended yeah. up liking the album or whatever. And then I think yeah. after that, it was uh, yeah. Greg, and he's like, yeah, this isn't really stuff yeah. I listen to. So. Yeah, but you ended, but you ended up liking it too. Um, yeah. But but you have the the infamy, I guess, uh, in hair metal memories history of like, you know, coming on and like saying, I don't really like this music, (laughs) (laughs) but that ends up not being true because over time, you know, she, she was telling me that like, she wanted a chance she wanted a shot at redemption, uh, (laughs) because she does like some of this music. Yep. Yep. It's true. Some of it is, uh, very influential. So, and this album in particular was like huge, 
Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And so did you listen to it when it came out? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had it on tape and walked around with my boombox blaring it, you know, and, <laughs> like, thinking I was real cool in eighth grade. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss the, miss the days when people walked around with the boomboxes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty interesting time. Yeah. I always think of the Walkman as just this ubiquitous thing, but that's also because, like... yeah. Same. Honestly, like when I got my first tapes, I didn't have like a little a little home radio or stereo. My dad had a stereo, but I couldn't use that. That was dad's <laughs> nice stereo. So I just had a Walkman and a, a pair of crappy headphones, and like I mm-hmm. sat around all the time listening to tapes on that. I don't think I heard the real world for three years. I mean, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> my very first Walkman was just an FM player. That was it. So oh, it was man. like whatever's on the radio. Yeah, that's what you get to listen to. But I got it like. On Christmas Eve, when I was in like sixth grade or something, maybe. Is that a Walkman though? Yeah, it was. Oh, well, yeah. Was it? It I didn't know was, they made just radio Walkman. It was a Walkman, okay. and I was so excited. And so we ha- we got to open like a present right before going to the church service, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. And so that was the one I opened. <laughs> and then so I'm in the back seat just blaring. I think uh, oh. Um, Hungry Like the Wolf came out mm-hmm. that year, whenever that was, mm-hmm. and and uh, so I'm blasting that, and my mom's like, "That's too loud," because <laughs> like, she could hear it. Oh uh, yes, know? how many times I heard my mom say, "You know, I can hear that too." Yeah. You know, but, well, yeah, it's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was. So fun. when was the last time you listened to this before uh, having it on and around the house for? When Brian was uh, this. So, yeah, I listened to it this morning. and uh, But actually, I listened to it um, probably a few months ago, just kind of, well, the first side, basically. Um, and, yeah, I forgot how awesome it is, like, mm-hmm. pretty much all the way through. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just... The vocals are great, and this morning I was listening on headphones and and noticing like, oh man, they got like these cool background vocals that are like panned to one side or the other, you know, and oh and, wow, like they had like at times you know three or four part harmonies going on, mm-hmm. like damn. Man, I should have been using headphones. <laughs> I would have used the regular speakers, and I was sitting at an angle to it, so I didn't catch a lot of those. Oh you know, yeah, more, the intricacies of of the mix, but. Yeah, that's was, cool. It was impressive, and uh, yeah, it's still. And I don't even think like I just pulled up the Spotify one, and it was it didn't say remastered or anything. Like it's. I don't not, honestly know if it has been remastered. Yeah, it's been reissued. It I'm surprised there's not like a deluxe edition or something right, like that. Or, right. You know what? Well, eighty three. What would that be? We're almost coming up on what forty years. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, a forty. In a two years. Years. I, mean, I think it's yeah. been reissued before. But they just didn't gloss it up. I don't know that it's ever been like remastered. I don't know if there's been like an anniversary package. But I think right. a few times in history they'll just slide a new CD edition out or something. Hmm. Yeah. You actually got me curious, so I pulled it up here on my computer <laughs> while we're talking. Because like, oh well, like I can see it was they they actually remastered it in the early 2000s. There's hmm. a there's a there's a CD edition in the U.S. and Europe. And it got remastered for both of those. So huh. I guess I did not know that. And oh. holy crap, it got reissued on vinyl within the last ten years. 
Huh. Yeah. Wow. Cool. A company called Friday Music put out a, a reissue of it, okay. which I would totally, totally buy if I wasn't sitting here staring at <laughs> your original. original. <laughs> that I have right now. And uh, even Music on Vinyl did a pressing of it, and they actually make, okay. like, MOV, they're a European company, uh-huh. but if you can get their records, they actually sound pretty good. Like, okay. all the all the MOV pressings I have of uh-huh. albums all sound great. I have to imagine this album did pretty well in Europe because Europe is like way more metal friendly. They always seem, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, I mean, like Europe still has like summer metal festivals to this yeah. day, like yeah. tons of them, Vakken and Hellfest and just yeah. all of them. I mean, yeah, I've seen a couple of the lineups, uh, like post pandemic stuff where they're, they're getting, gearing up for some metal fest and the, the lineups on them are insane. You know, it's like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and, you know, and on and on. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty hip. <laughs> I yeah. just, well, it makes me think I, you know what, maybe I should just get another copy of this album just for the hell of right. it. <laughs> it wouldn't be the only album that there was like multiple copies of on my shelf. At one point, there was 11 different copies of, Pi- of Pink Floyd's Piper at the Gates of Dawn on my shelf. Right. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I, I think I gave one of them to you. I thought I did anyway, but. I'd probably uh, buy that off of you if you wanted to upgrade your. Well, we will definitely be in touch then because I'm, I'm, I'm amenable. I'm amenable. We'll be in touch. We're going to have to start like a vinyl trading podcast now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was telling, I was actually telling that these guys before, and this is for the fans, I've actually bought like a whole bunch of albums just mm-hmm. because of like recommendations from fans saying, hey, you guys should talk about this album. So I'll yeah. have to go find a vinyl copy on Discogs or wherever I can find one just because, yeah. you know, that's how I want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm particular. Only one album that we've done on this whole podcast have I just listened to digitally, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Extreme 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the other ones, yeah. I've been like, no, I will track down the and, vinyl and I will listen to it. And if they would reissue the extreme things on vinyl, then it'd be very tempting to buy it. You know, right now it's like they're they're hard to find. Mm. So, yeah, we're gonna find out just how hard it would be. <laughs> so, is extreme really hair metal? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, they well, they they click, they check the boxes. I think like they, I mean, they were kind of a more of a late game um, version of hair metal. Um, but they they had a power ballad that, that you know so like that alone kind of puts so, them in the club. And they, really? every story um, was reissued on vinyl within the last four years. Oh, okay, okay. Need to For just two hundred and thirty eight dollars, it can be yours too. Oh, jeez. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's already sold. It's 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 gone. Yeah, yeah. I think extreme counts as hair metal. Mm. Yeah, they kind of fit the mold. They had the hair, actually. I mean, they I have the first album on vinyl. I was okay. at a store one day and mm-hmm. I was checking out with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and uh, I was getting ready to leave and I saw a, like back behind the counter uh-huh. in like a box of stuff that the guy had just bought from somebody. I was like, yeah. "Hey, is that Extreme's first sit- album sitting in front of that box? And if yeah. it is, can I buy it instead of nobody else before you pri- when you price it?" <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you know what turns out? Still a fun album. That's a great record. Yeah, I think it has the first song I ever heard by extreme wait now i don't remember probably it has was uh, kitty go on that song kitty goes on that yeah yeah that that was the first song i ever heard by extremes yep kitty go was their first i think their first uh single and then they had a do you want to play that was in the bill and ted movie that's right yeah the the beethoven playing the keyboards in the music store Mm. scene and he does that that's nuno betancourt's guitar stuff i don't have the first bill and ted on uh, soundtrack. That's I actually right. coughed up the money to get a copy of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of metal on that. Well, there's a Faith No More song on there you can't uh-huh. get anywhere else. There's a Winger song you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, there's a Slaughter song you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, 
so and like you, kisses on it uh-huh. and like and, uh, and an oddly good wow. kiss song for that yeah. stage of the game yeah and some like steve Vai solo stuff like uh like you know some of his solo bits in that's between that's right because he did some of like the like the, yeah. s- the scoring right yeah where, where bill and ted would go like excellent that was, <laughs> that, they got steve Vai to play those parts <laughs> yeah but huh. yeah so what you know Tell us more about Quiet Riot, I guess. You know, you, you listen to it a lot. and Right. Well, so I don't know what it is in my head that, like, sets it apart from this, the hair question. metal that I don't like, yeah. you know? Yeah, because you didn't like Dokken. I did not. But and, see, that's one I would have thought would have been, like, one where you could, well, I don't know. I guess not a lot of people. I don't know if maybe I aged out, like, too quickly, you know, when the other hair metal... Yeah. The subsequent hair metal came into being. I might have been like moving on to, yeah, you know, the Smiths, the Cure, and Depeche yeah. Mode, and by that point, you know. Yeah. So then I was like, "You're very quickly too cool for hair metal." I guess. <laughs> I, actually, I actually just bought a Cure know. record off Discogs the other day. I was helping a friend sort records, and he had a copy of Boys Don't Cry, and it drove me nuts. I didn't have a copy of Boys Don't Cry on vinyl, so I went home. And I was just like, you know what? I understand it's going to be expensive. I don't care. I want that one. Yeah. So I so I got it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I loved ACDC and Van Halen, you know, and then Quiet Riot and, like, but then, yeah, when, like, Poison and and Mm -hmm. Motley Crue came out and Dokken and, like, White Snake and all that stuff just kind of... Didn't float your boat. Did not, yeah. Hmm. And I don't know why. I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, you know, but that's the thing, though, is it can be weird like that, because, I mean... Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand why you like this album and not that album because sometimes when you think about it, they don't seem like they're that different. But yeah. for whatever reason, yeah. that one, the right. second one, just doesn't yeah. ring. Do it for you, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and and the bottom, we, you know, we like what we like, so like, yeah. it's, and that's perfectly fine. But right. It, but it is right. interesting to be like, you know, why would you like this, but not some of the other things that you've heard? Yeah. Because I, you know, from you know, from in my ears, they're just as good. You know, and mm-hmm. well, it's sort of like how I like a lot of the bands that. Uh, had members that ended up being in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but I do not like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. <laughs> it bores the living shit out of me. But like, I like the Hollies. I like uh, some Buffalo Springfield. I like the Birds. I like yeah. Neil Young. Yeah. So like everything yeah. about that says, oh, you should totally like this record. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Just doesn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so I mean, I got nothing. That things like that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you get right down to it, I should have been a fan of Brides of Destruction too, because I thought Nikki Six was awesome. I thought Tracy Guns was awesome. Yeah. I and mean, it's just meh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's like if you if you pull things apart, all of a sudden it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and we we talked uh, in our, earlier in our analysis of the album how like uh, this was the only album that Quiet Riot like hit it big with, and then the rest of the time they you know leading up to mm-hmm. it they kind of fumbled about, and then afterwards they kind of fumbled about too. Yeah. But it, but it all came into picture for this one. So right. Even for them, this was the one. Yeah. Know? And I didn't realize until this morning, and I was kind of looking at the history or you know the bio of this, and I didn't realize that it was the third album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like. At the time, I mean, you know, I, don't think most I was people a know that. regular dumb kid, and yeah. you know, it was like, oh, this album's cool, and so yeah. I, but it seemed like their debut the, album because no one, yeah, them. yeah, well, yeah. The first two records were only released in Japan, yeah. so oh, I mean, even if okay. you were in America, you were hit, <laughs> right, you probably yeah. didn't know those records. No. Yeah, so, yeah. There was no way okay. for you to know about okay. them, and, and right. they still have not been released in the U.S. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, Which there's is weird. Actually, there's wow. a compilation that came out. I don't know if it was released here. But they, uh, there was one called Quiet Riot, the Randy Rose Years. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it was a bunch of like unreleased songs from from that mm-hmm. period and then if there was a song that was from one of the albums they remixed and redid stuff all over the place because Randy Rhodes was always notorious about he hated the way his guitar sounded on, on those albums. Okay. And so Kevin's like, well, you know what we're going to do then? Okay. We're going to try to make his guitar sound better on these, on these remix versions. Because I know he hated it. And that's always what he wanted to fix. So we're going to try to do that. So, okay. I mean, you know, they always say, hey, don't tinker with the yeah. things that you had. But I guess, you know, if it's yours, if it's your thing, you do whatever the fuck you want with it. Yeah, well, I, mean, yeah. I don't necessarily have to like it, but yeah, it's and yours. Yeah, not having heard, heard them, it's like hard to make guesses about it but like uh, i have to imagine that like you know they probably weren't able to afford the you know the same producer well, no. they had for metal health so and, they, uh, you know, they, they had little snippets of some of the randy road stuff in that quiet right ryan mm-hmm. documentary that i watched today and like it's all good and you know uh but it does sound like they couldn't get a producer that got the guitar tone they wanted yeah. or mm. they couldn't make the recording sound quite as sharp as they maybe yeah. wanted because it, it was just it kind of sounded like well-produced garage rock yeah. Okay. Mm. Not necessarily to yeah. diss them or to diss garage rocks. I like that too. But yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you understand that they all have their own kind of sounds yeah. and stuff. Right. And yeah, that one. I don't know. It just. Yeah, it's like naked baby photos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that was one thing I noticed. Like this morning, listening to it, uh, listening to Metal Health, like just the sonic quality of it throughout mm-hmm. just sounded great. Even still, you know, mm-hmm. and not being remastered or anything, mm-hmm. it's like that's impressive. You it know? is pretty impressive. And yeah. they just got it right. Yeah, because you know? well, yeah. like, and you know, we've we've covered a lot of, a lot of different production sounds on this mm-hmm. podcast, and even talked about others. But there's so many records from that time that have end up sounding so much bigger. Yeah, and this one, I mean, it 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 does have some big sound, but it really sounds like a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, or sometimes, you know, you'll put a couple extra guitars laid down on the chorus. You can have a big, thick chorus, but it doesn't even sound like that on there. It's just like it there's just yeah. that one guitar playing through the chorus. Right. It's kind of awesome. I mean, yeah, you got to be confident in your playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I dug, like, all the guitar solos. I know on the Dokken yeah. podcast, I said, there's a bunch of wanking guitars. and yep. <laughs> like, Yes, you did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I felt like, and, and in general, in a lot of the hair metal genre for me anyway the guitars are it's like ooh, look listen to how fast i can play yeah and it's not very melodic or catchy or you know there's no yeah. there's not as many hooks as like what this album offered it's, yeah and, i see your point too because a lot of his guitar his guitar solos are like very lyrical yeah they could almost like fill yeah. in his they could like be a verse of the song right you know? right yeah. like that david gilmore approach to like where you could sing the guitar solo kind of yeah, stuff yeah yeah and I don't remember which song it was, but uh, like toward the end, you know, they actually had like a call and response of the vocal line, yeah. and mm-hmm. and then uh, the guitar is like following that, and yeah, I don't know. It, There's definitely an element of that in, in hair metal. You're right, where it's like sort of like you know, how many notes per minute can I play? Right, and like you know, and yeah. it's like you want to sound like a big badass by you know, you know, yeah, but it's not very interesting, right? Yeah, and like you know, that's. I like Van Halen because Eddie Van Halen was just killer at yeah. the both the melody and the speed, you know. Right. And he was the complete package. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> kicked ass, but I don't same know. reason I always liked Mick Mars a lot. He's very mm-hmm. lyrical with his solos. He doesn't often often get like super crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Motley Crue is an excessive band, but Mick Mars always had a nice tight melodic solo yeah. to bring mm-hmm. in, you know. 
so no, I think I think that can't be overstated enough. Is how cool it is to have a nice tuneful solo and yeah. at least when you're yeah. when you're like going for like you know this sort of aesthetic, you know, yeah. I think it's a good thing to have. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you've gotten a level of redemption and that there, there are <laughs> are there other hair metal bands that you like? I guess would be a question. I, we we uh, we kind of decided Van Halen doesn't count as hair metal. So oh okay. I mean, they, they, they are, they're, they're another one of the bands, much, much like this they provided, power a, ballads. but much yeah. like this provided a template for a lot of the albums that came after it, them, even though they weren't necessarily yeah. hair rock, they kind of like made it right possible. Yeah. Yeah. They're the yeah. weird exception. Like, uh, okay. uh, uh where... Led Zeppelin's not exactly metal, but like, you right. know, they helped kind of, yeah, forged right. the path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Rush. I don't know if they count as hair metal. They no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Prague. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. Now they Prague, were, they were but... maybe more tuneful and concise than a lot of Prague bands. Right. You know, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they checked some of the boxes. I think for they for had hair the metal. hair back then. They did too. have the hair. Yeah. <laughs> and they I've had seen the metal. Some of the videos <laughs> of power windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't know what else. Does ACDC count? They're not really... To me, mm. that wouldn't count. No. No, but once again, they're kind of another one of those bands that... Yeah, they, they check most of the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> right, That help right. feed into it. Yeah. I mean... So... Yeah. They're, they're kind of grandfathered in where, like, they were, they were like, right before, you know. Right. Um, uh, so there's not, I guess... Yeah. By your, you know, definition-wise, like... Yeah. I don't... Like any other hair metal, <laughs> it's quite right. That's it, I guess. Yeah, that explains it. Yeah, so I yeah, know. I guess I was trying to come up with a Venn diagram, but it's like a, a Venn diagram so, of one. <laughs> so maybe Quiet Riot doesn't count as hair metal since I don't like hair metal. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, once again, it's weird because it's it's the thing you have to judge about them after the fact. True. Right? Yeah. True. Because well, everybody at the time just called it heavy metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. I right. mean, nowadays, right. I don't think you would call it mm-hmm. metal exactly, but that's no. what they called it when it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, by, by the standard of the time, you liked this metal band. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of this music uh, was not very heavy. It was like, you know, you can call it metal or whatever, but like it wasn't very heavy. Uh, although Quiet Riot, I think, makes a case for being pretty. I mean, they can they could be heavy metal. They're heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's screaming, and they're, they're those are some crunchy ass guitars, and their mm-hmm. songs are driving. So that's it's right, know. right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that we got to have you back on, and you got to have a a little bit of redemption, and 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 I, and I like uh, <laughs> I, I think conversations like this are interesting because we're still kind of trying to define what hair metal is in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, and things like that, and so like deciding what it's not and stuff like that helps the conversation along. So, hmm. so thanks for coming on Glad and being brave and talking to us again. <laughs> <laughs> if we do another Dokken album, we'll have you back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> kidding! Probably, I'm probably kidding. wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> I don't recommend that. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And uh, this has been Hair Metal Memories, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Hair Metal.